Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Today on CityCast Chicago, we've got updates from Springfield to City Hall and good news in Chinatown. Breaking all that down and more is WTTW's Amanda Vinicky and Illinois Answers Project reporter Alex Nickin. It's Friday, January 13th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Y'all's first time on the show together was April 9th, Aww. 2021, mm-hmm. three weeks into the start of City Cash Chicago. It was episode 15. I remember that. You reached out to me and I was like, City Cast, what is this? <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> Welcome back, Alex. Welcome back, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Great to be here. Uh, together, y'all have been on the show a amazing 12 times. So uh, I appreciate uh, having y'all back. What episode are you on now, Jacoby? I think total episodes we've published, including reruns, probably close to 460. Dang. It's a long way from episode 15. That's awesome. Hopefully we'll still be here for like episode 5,000. Let's let's hope. Let's hope that the bag is heavy and I'm still here. Um, Before we jump in, I have a very random question for y'all. It is Friday the 13th. Um, You know which doesn't happen that often, but it, it makes me uh, have to ask, um, are there any superstitions that either of y'all have? Uh, I don't think so. I think that Friday the 13th is common enough and it's sort of a curiosity, but one thing that um, I do sometimes think about is that I was actually born very late at night on a Thursday the 12th. Mm. Um, so I consider myself very lucky and, uh, you know, no curses here. I think I'm all good. <laughs> so first of all, speaking of birthdays, I... Don't know if she'll listen because, sorry, Jacoby, she is turning six, and I'm not sure this is really her speed, (laughs) but um, the cutest little girl that ever existed was born on this very day, and that is my niece, Daisy. So, happy birthday, Daisy, and I guess I think of January 13th as her birthday and not a Friday the 13th, so any sort of good omens and well wishes and all of that, she's a pretty plucky, awesome some kid and therefore I'm going to say I I don't have any misgivings about it but I do always notice in elevators when they skip floor 13 when they skip 13 that is interesting yeah I I ask about that and I I always wonder because for so many it goes back to the superstition I was like you made your entire building plan around this me on the other hand I, I like to challenge fate so I walk under every ladder I split as many poles as possible. I pet the black cat when they pull up. Exactly. I'm breaking mama's backs or day whenever I can. Uh, (laughs) I will say walking under ladders does seem a little, I don't know about superstitious, but yeah, just kind (laughs) of dicey. Jacoby, maybe watch out on that one. I slide through it. I'm talking like like the Ray Lewis Baltimore Ravens (laughs) exit slide. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) 
the reason I brought y'all back in here is because not only are y'all two of my favorite people to talk to, y'all work so well together, but we got to look back on some stories from uh, the second week of 2023 across not only our city, but our state. And Amanda, I'm going to start with you because this week, the 103rd General Assembly came together. What are some updates that came out of Springfield this week? So, yeah, it is the 103rd General Assembly uh, as of um, noon on Wednesday was the inauguration. And I got to point out, there was a lot of turnover. So just a lot of recognizable figureheads from both sides of the aisle not returning, whether it be because they are retiring, whether it be because they're sick of this whole thing, or whether it be because they lost in November's election. So it really is a new day and it is uh, continues to be a more diverse in some ways, General Assembly with the first Muslim elected as a member of the Illinois House, for example, a historically young member. And yet there is also, I, I think, more Democratic dominance. And so we, we there's less diversity from that perspective. And the Republicans that are elected are not only smaller, but also definitely more conservative leaning and hail more from downstate than do the suburbs. So that's a big switch. And then, of course, while that the 100 103rd is just getting started. The 102nd General Assembly was really busy these past couple of days, and we're looking at some big pieces of legislation, and the one that's getting the most attention What's the biggest one? That big one is a ban on so-called assault weapons. I say so-called because that term is one that is very controversial. Gun rights groups and many gun owners say that that term is uh, a false one and incorrect. And many of the firearms that are specifically listed in the legislation, they say are very common and are not and should not be considered weapons of war, combat weapons. Uh, That is, in fact, what they are called now per Illinois law, assault weapons. And there's a list of dozens of guns that fit under this mantle and They cannot be sold in-state anymore. People who owned them prior to the governor's signature on Tuesday night are able to keep them, but they have roughly a year to register them with the state of Illinois, something that, again, many gun owners do take great umbrage with. But that's going to be another fight, frankly. Yeah, we sat down with Representative Bob Morgan, who introduced that piece of legislation. And one of my questions to him was, can you clearly define what an assault weapon is and what uh, a high capacity magazine can do to uh, assault weapons? I mean, this moved pretty quickly, right? It went from the House to the Senate, back to the House. Governor Pritzker got it signed immediately, made it very clear part of his agenda was getting this ban on the books. But Amanda, we are far from the end of watching this piece of legislation move. I mean, we see it time and time again in Illinois politics. Just because it gets signed into law, that is not the end all be all. How, you know, how far into the future do you think we're still going to be discussing the mechanisms and the specificity of this, this bill? So a couple things. Well, it did, in a sense, pass in short order and quickly during the lame duck session. This is something that had been talked about for quite some time. Uh, you had some, and really, yes, it maybe was on Governor Pritzker's agenda, but it certainly wasn't at the top of it during his first term. And it, it wasn't until the mass shooting July 4th at the parade in Highland Park that moved it to his forefront the Democrats have, as I noted, dominated then, dominate now, didn't have, however, the momentum to get this done despite gun um, control groups really calling for action in the wake of 
previous horrific shootings across the country and mass shootings in Illinois. As you noted, though, this is not the end of it twofold. First of all, we have seen one lawsuit. There's going to be more. There's going to be massive litigation over this. Again, you have major gun rights groups and gun owners saying that they believe this is wholly unconstitutional. Uh, They feel like they have not only the Constitution on their side, but the U.S. Supreme Court. So we're going to see a long fight there. It'll go through state courts first, presumably, but then it will go to, the thought might be, unless another state gets there first, which of course could happen, that there will be some sort of uh, action from the U.S. Supreme Court on this. Um, And then, so that'll be long. And then also, uh, I think that even supporters will recognize and they say that this is certainly significant, but they know Illinois is not an island. Again, Highland Park already had an assault weapons ban and clearly the shooter in the alleged shooter in that case was able to get and legally purchase a gun from the town over. So even if this is law in Illinois, it is not so in neighboring states. They are looking for federal action and there's a long road in terms of curbing violence and gun crime Period. Amanda, I appreciate you. We're going to come back to some other things that came out of Springfield. But Alex, I want to get you in here. Uh, as we're kind of turning our attention the last few months away from uh, the, the statewide and federal elections and moving more closely in on municipal elections, uh, the incumbent this week, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, found herself in a bit of, you know, uh, ethics controversy. Can you give me the details on that? Yeah, this broke on Wednesday night. This was uh, credit to, to Heather Sharon at WTTW, Shout out to WTTW uh, for digging this up. But essentially, the uh, Lightfoot campaign aide sent out an email to some Chicago public schools teachers just saying, hey, here is an opportunity for some of your students. If they're looking for something to do in their free time, they can volunteer for the Lightfoot for Chicago campaign. They can also maybe earn some credit uh, while they're doing it. And this sort of blew up on Chicago Twitter on Wednesday night. It was just a a pretty clear, I think, like self-own, you could call it. Lightfoot's first statement in response to this, her first of three immediate uh, uh, statements in response to it, was, look, everyone does this. It's fine. We've done nothing wrong here. We were just, you know, we're not conscripting volunteers. We're not forcing anyone to do anything. We're just letting people know about an opportunity that's out there to engage in, in you know, the civic process. Um, and do I think all that that's, the other candidates have access to these same email addresses? This same well, now network? you're getting at what the issue oh, okay, is here, cool, cool. which is that <laughs> I think that this wouldn't have touched such a nerve if it weren't for the really endemic, deeply rooted legacy of patronage in Chicago, which is we have to remember, you know, 50 years ago, this is how this was extremely normal, how incumbents stayed in power is that they used their government power and they drafted, you know, their their government employees to work for their political operations. And so I think that it, it sort of touched a nerve when, look, when Lightfoot in her second of three statements said, uh, okay, we've um, instructed our campaign out of an abundance of caution, just because people are freaking out about this so much, not to contact CPS teachers anymore. And it's like, the issue is not that they contacted teachers. The issue is that they use their government email addresses, that they were using government means to solicit uh, political activity. Um, For all practical purposes, this is your, this is coming from your boss, essentially, right? Picks the superintendent, has, you know, picks the members of the board of education. Like, even if, you know, there is not sort of that direct connection of, you know, the teachers answering directly to Mayor Lightfoot, 
that is for all practical purposes, you know, the person in charge. And so them trying to even encourage students and teachers to participate in political activity directly that is going to benefit them for credit. It just don't pass the the ethics sniff test. Right. I think that that brings up a whole other dimension. Uh, Another, I think, takeaway that I took from this is that, you know, half the story for me wasn't the ethics violation itself. Half of the issue was Lightfoot's responses or series of responses that she started with, um, look, I don't know why you're all complaining so much. This is completely fine. To, okay, we get it out of an abundance of caution. We're going to try and roll this back. To, hey, we recognize this is a very serious issue and we are going to communicate to our campaign, st- campaign staffers that under no circumstances anyone to, to do this again. I think it speaks to this counterpunching instinct that I think that we've seen come from this mayor and is, I would even say, maybe a reason why she um, is in so much hot water and, and is so politically isolated going into the election. Well, and can I sort of pile on here, right? if, if I may? You have the issue of students or supposedly or there there being some sort of offering of class credit, which I'm not sure how the mayor has any sort of role in determining what class credit could exactly. be given or extra credit points, what somebody's grade is bumped up to Hit them with an the, this A will because they spent their weekends working. I mean, how on earth do you have a mayor sort of dictating that and how would that even work? So there are sometimes stories that catch on for good reason. You're like, all right, let's be reasonable here. This is one that you saw it blow up and it sort of makes sense and finally oh wait ctu that's has what i was another say. candidate it's not i was as like if, know your audience you didn't think these yeah, emails it, was immediately gonna start pushing around it, it just it sort of was a silly move from a campaign point of view period but also recognize that this the chicago teachers writ large voted for a new president who is wholly, very obviously, publicly uh, anti-Lori Lightfoot. And so what were you thinking? Yeah, after all this time, you know, and again, Chicago Teachers Union is not a monolith. I imagine there are plenty of supporters up and down the the rank and file. But to just send them to a, you know, a, a group of teachers not sort of expecting this type of backlash was was interesting. And, and you know, it, it is worth saying there is a program whereby students can do approved volunteer work for credit. But the ask here for political volunteering is not only sus, but is it wasn't very obvious or clear that this how this would count. Man, I want to come back to you. You know, we we talked about some of these top stories, things that blew up Twitter, the assault weapons ban, which got national attention. But in a lot of that, some stories just they don't make the front pages. They don't get as much coverage. So for you, what was something that came out of Springfield you wanted to make sure people didn't miss? Again, this was a very busy lame duck session. The activity went until I think about 10 o'clock or so on a Tuesday night. And you can only sort of cover and devote and pay attention to so much. By the way, that's sometimes exactly why they wait to do things until the very last minute, perhaps when folks aren't paying attention. Uh, Lo and behold, for example, a lot of things going on when legislators voted themselves and Governor J.B. Pritzker signed into law a pretty hefty pay raise for themselves, something around like 17% that makes Illinois legislators a part-time job, by the way, one that many legislators work very hard for, but nonetheless, part-time, many legislators also therefore have another whole job, so 85K. Um, But one that I think has 
I am planning to devote more attention to personally, but it, that it could make a significant difference in the lives of workers who do not have any sort of vacation, sick, any sort of leave benefit now is that they will, it'll take a year and not until January of 2024, be afforded 40 days of leave per year from their employer. And often when you see this legislation, this th- there are mandates that apply only to larger businesses. That's not the case here. If you have a job and you know you put in the hours and you've hold, held it for a certain amount of time, you have at your availability per this Illinois law that the governor has not yet signed but has indicated he will, 40 days of leave. Uh, that is something that, again, I think will make a huge difference to perhaps, especially the, the working poor for whom having to take a day off of work unpaid can be sort of catastrophic for their finances. And yet also there can be just life that happens, be it a uh, car breaking down or CTA not running on time or somebody getting sick. It is one though that businesses um, have a, a bit with, they continue to say that they're knocked time and time again by Illinois, as well as with inflation, with sort of rising costs and mandates that don't take into account that, by the way, this is a business and it costs money and giving leave that has to be paid out to employees is going to be knocked to their own bottom line. When many are are still having a very difficult time, particularly those smaller businesses that, again, are covered. Well, we will definitely follow that to, to understand how this bill will impact uh, individual businesses. I appreciate you bringing some light to this today, Amanda. Alex, I'm going to kick it back to you. We're constantly talking about uh, development and neighborhood changeover. But one story that, I mean, for over a decade has just sort of been going in the background in the Inglewood neighborhood is the expansion of this railroad, this this rail yard. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Yeah, you know, a lot of times we talk about neighborhood change or neighborhood development. This is literally neighborhood erasure. This is an entire residential area between roughly 47th and Garfield, just west of the Dan Ryan, that um, owing back to, yeah, about 2013, I think is when the original agreement went through that Norfolk Southern Railroad just said that they were going to take over this land where people were living and turn it into an intermodal freight rail yard. Um, This was the subject of a really, really excellent documentary from a couple years ago called The Area that I cannot recommend enough. And we saw some coverage um, just this week reminding us that, hey, this saga is still ongoing and the people who live still in or near that area are still looking for some kind of recourse. So John Lippert at the Tribune had this really great uh, long feature looking at some of the people who are still there and still pushing Norfolk Southern for um, just some kind of assurances. Are you going to ensure that people who live here are going to be able to share in the jobs that are created by uh, this expanded rail capacity? Are you going to make some kind of commitments on clean air uh, and pollution and things like that? And um, uh, Atavia Reed at Block Club had uh, some great follow-up reporting on a community meeting that Norfolk Southern held um, this week. Um, I think that one thing that really has struck me, especially from that documentary from the area and also in this reporting, is that at no point were any of these residents saying, Norfolk Southern, get out of here. We don't want you to come. You know, how do we make this not happen? They were accepted from the very beginning, okay, this is happening, so how are you going to do right by us since you're taking away our homes and polluting our neighborhood? What what concessions are you going to give us? That's all that they're asking for. And um, now uh, we're going to watch in in city council. There's another ordinance related to this development that is going to be up um, 
relating to you know street vacation or property turnover or something like that. And it would transfer Taylor, the streets and alleys between Garfield and 59th Street between Stewart and Wallace. Essentially to the freight company, which would continue what Rahm Emanuel did, signing over land, signing over vacant uh, homes. One really big difference between now and the Emanuel era is that now that area is represented by a different older person. It was um, Willie Cochran at the time who really went headfirst, you know, along with the Norfolk Southern deal and was criticized for not being so sensitive to neighbors. And now Jeanette Taylor um, is... At this point, I, I believe, according to Block Club, still threatening to withhold her vote um, for this ordinance this month, saying, hey, you guys got to do better than that. You got to sit down, you got to talk to neighbors, and you got to work something out with them. You know, I, I read this article that even, I think it came out seven years ago, was saying every year this story makes a brief round through the news with a sharper tone of inevitability. And, and as we look at the, the, the passing of the ordinance, as we look at the expansion, I mean, even if you go back to 2008, where Norfolk were already kind of privately buying up and tearing down homes. It, it just feels like when we are kind of discussing bringing manufacturing to communities or expanding manufacturing or expanding jobs, particularly in brown and black communities around industrialization, it seems as if if we only focus on the what is to be gained from this, we can ignore everything else, whether it is housing, whether it is air quality, whether it's access to jobs. Um, and, and so, again, I appreciate you bringing some attention to this, because once if, if this ordinance goes through, it feels like that is one of the last major steps towards this years long process continuing forward. It's definitely the home stretch. I'm not sure that it's necessarily the last. Every episode of City Cash Chicago ends with some good news to get the people through the day, the weekend, the next three minutes on the podcast, whatever they're going through. Amanda, what is your some good news for people this Friday? You do put me in a great mood whenever you sing Jacoby. I mean, I don't know what sort of recording artists or talent agents are checking out the podcast, but there you go. So my <laughs> good news. Oh, I love when y'all. I don't have. That. I'm, I've got a lower voice. My good news. Okay, my good <laughs> news is that we have talked often about environmental injustice, and there's sort of just, but. Illinois is behind Alaska, and that doesn't even count because Alaska, of course, is sort of home to nature and all things beautiful. Uh, evidently, number two for bald eagles flying on through. Come on. And coming by and visiting our fine state of Illinois. And you, too, can witness them. There are all sorts of events this weekend in Will County, but also in the Quad Cities. I believe there's, um, it's called Plum Island. There are a whole lot of bald eagles. Over in over 3,000 are estimated to winter in Illinois. That includes in some of the near suburbs. Um, but, oh, also, I think Pierre Marquette does a lot of bald eagle days, and that is perhaps my favorite state park and it's very beautiful so check it out and pretty darn cool i don't think people often associate bald eagles with illinois they, but they, I, they can well, and I, should i don't and again when i saw that second after uh, alaska which you know i'm going in a month so i'm gonna keep my eyes open for them alaskan bald eagles um but i wonder do you think outside of just the sightings does that have any impact on like local 
wildlife or anything. I imagine for the alley cats across Illinois, they looking up into the sky with a little bit of a what, what is feast. that? What, why this, probably, what is that? probably. Yeah, What's all this patriotism? Maybe they should hide a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Hopefully, I am not trying to pit bald eagles against any other wildlife and hope that they all fare well. But I think that this is just sort of nature and mm-hmm. how things are supposed to be after eagles had really been on an endangered species yeah. list and there had been fear that the the nation's great symbol uh, of flying soaring bald eagles was not going to be here that they're, they're they're soaring back if you will. I know that that's always a, a checklist item on my my list whenever I'm at uh, Starve Rock State Park park there is an area where there are always some bald eagles that are nesting roosting whatever you call it and you can always see them there is also i feel like i've seen some there have been these viral videos of like in like hotel or like apartment lobbies in chicago where like a bald eagle just like gets in and flaps around and they're like a pest that they're trying to get out (laughs) and i always thought of that i'll I'll look it up i'll send it to you guys but it's like we have we're, we're lousy with bald eagles here in illinois on Saturday, there's a bald eagle watch event in Will County. If anybody's interested in, uh, there's a there's a pair of nesting, uh, a pair that likes to nest out there, and you might be able to see it. And so we'll drop some some links in the show notes for that. Uh, Alex, what is your some good news for CityCast listeners? This some uh, 400 episodes after your very first appearance. Man, well, you know it can be a little tough this time of year in mid January because the, to find things to look forward to because the holidays are over, summer is. A, a long way away, but one thing that I always look forward to this time of year is the Lunar New Year and all of the um, Chinatown celebrations. Uh, this is the actual Lunar New Year, I think is January 22nd, but we're going to have a couple of events coming up next weekend. The um, uh, Jewel on Canal Street is doing a uh, kind of Lunar New Year event, and then of course leading up to the big um, New Year parades the following weekend, Saturday, January 28th on Argyle, and then uh, Sunday, the following day um, in Chinatown on Wentworth. Um, always love these events, just the sort of music, the culture. I mean, Chinese food is my favorite kind of food, and I've gotten recently Me into... Me too, Alex. Me nice. Too. We should go to Chinatown sometime. Um, <laughs> here for it. I have gotten into um, baking Chinese uh, like buns and bao a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, it's one of my new favorite things and, um, uh, hopefully we'll eat even more, um, in the coming weeks for the Lunar New Year. You know, what can I add that I both love the color Chinatown, of course, needs and continues to need support. So many businesses there that really were a hit during COVID, but also, 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 uh, selfishly, maybe if you didn't have your act together and set a New Year's resolution on January 1, this is sort of like opportunity number two. <laughs> you get a mulligan, yeah. yeah, you, get yeah. To, you get to reset it. I love every time you come on, Alex, you always give us some good events. I'm so grateful. Um my some good how grateful i think i'd be great more grateful sorry if, if we got to try some of these bow and moon now we gotta pull up he'd he be open he'd be open invite alex alex be he'd be real about it he'd be invited. i'm willing to be taste test alex <laughs> come on
You bring the fruit, I bring the roll up. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> my good news is in celebration of MLK Day, uh, this forthcoming Monday, we are going to be off here at City Cash Chicago. Uh, and so we won't be in your inbox. You're hearing that now. You don't expect to hear us on Monday. But you could maybe pull up at the High Park Art Center. That's where I'm going to be January 16th from 11 to 3 for South Side Stories. It's a celebration uh, uh, of MLK, uh, his contributions, uh, not only to our society, but his time spent here in Chicago. But they're also going to be looking at the South Side Home Movie Project, where they were collecting these home movies from families who grew up uh, in and around the South Side and going to be putting those together uh, alongside music from some local DJs. Uh, and so it's going to be a great uh, program at the Hyde Park Art Center on 50th uh, in South Cornell. Uh, maybe you'll see me there. I know I said it a lot today, but thank y'all for riding with us from episode 15 to episode 430, whatever the hell this is. Amanda Vinicky with WTTW and Alex Nicken with the Illinois Answers Project. Appreciate y'all showing love to CityCast. Thank you. Great to be thank here. Thank you and enjoy that long weekend. Ah, I will do my best. Before I let you go, I want to give a sincere thank you to the people who make City Cash Chicago possible. That's lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Simone Alisea, our newsletter writer Sydney Madden, our producer Meg Dalton, the entire team back at headquarters, the people who make our music, and that music is good. All the kimonos, Sam Thousand, and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. And of course, my last thank you is for you. Thank you for listening to CityCast Chicago and reading Hey Chicago. If you can, share the podcast and the newsletter with your friends and family and help us keep growing in 2023. We are off for MLK Day, so we'll be back in your feeds on Tuesday. Talk to you then. Peace. I feel like it's got to be like a city cast faux pas to come on and be like, I think my story wasn't talked about it enough. But no, I, I, I literally email you and tell you, talk about the things you worked Props on. Props to Alex.